0: He's already been dead, and it's messed with his head. It's John's post-life crisis.
1: Okay, we're live. Welcome to John's post-life crisis live. Uh, tonight with a Wisconsin dude. I, I know that uh, I normally do these things on Monday nights, but on Monday night, I had the pleasure of trying to replace new firewalls at a customer site and tear apart a network, which went fabulously horrible. So, uh, I, sometimes life real life takes over in these situations, but in a couple of minutes, we're going to bring in, uh, Tyler hunt from Bucky's fifth quarter. So that you guys could be nice to him. They're probably nicer than they are me. Uh, you know, I, well, we'll just go ahead and bring him in. Cause, uh,
0: hello tyler hello john how are you today
1: not too bad although i noticed my sound isn't coming through my headphone so i haven't learned this stuff worth a damn yet
0: <laughs> it's always something right
1: <sighs> it is i gotta get used to this this is restream what i'm using and uh, sure. it, it's it's um i like it i i haven't figured out everything about it yet. I'm one of those people that just dives into stuff and doesn't always test things like you should. <laughs> but we're here to talk about uh, Wisconsin football.
0: Absolutely. And we actually
1: okay. Where should we start? Should we start at the beginning of the 2021 season?
0: Oh, we have to bring that back up. That was a dark yeah, time for Wisconsin football for about a month. But yeah, yeah, we can start there.
1: Okay, so at the beginning of the 2021 season, you guys were not a very good football team. Let's see, you you lost to Penn State to start the season, 16 to 10, and which wasn't a horrible game. And I mean, Penn State's—I don't know—I would think that Penn State is kind of a good team, but they haven't—they're kind of roughly in the same boat in Nebraska. I know they're not. Uh, they haven't won as many games as they probably should have. But you lost to them. You beat Eastern Michigan. You got beat up by Notre Dame in a game that looked a lot worse than it was. If I remember that game, that game was fairly close, and you just imploded in the last like six minutes of the game, didn't you?
0: Yeah, it was. Um, it was actually, I believe, tied heading into the fourth quarter, and ended up, I think, forty-one to thirteen. It was, it was, it was pretty ugly there at the end because I I left, and it was still um, relatively close, and um, and all of a sudden I looked up and checked my phone on the way out after Wisconsin attempted like a 55 yarder to try and pull within a couple scores. And, uh, next thing you know, it was 41 to 10 or something like that. So it was a pretty ugly game. Um, but really just one bad quarter imploded them, uh, for sure.
1: And me, Michigan beat you 38 to 17. If I remember that game turnovers.
0: Yeah, that one was, I would say the Penn state game, going back to that one was a game that they probably should have won. Statistically they dominated and they were without now, you look back at it, I think if they played Penn State again, they'd they'd roll them because they were without Chennault and Braylon Allen, the new running backs, are essentially your two best players. So you would probably win that game. But Michigan just kind of just kind of beat up on them and kept it close for a half. But then Wisconsin just offensively fell apart, and the turnovers um, really killed them. And Graham Mertz got banged up in the game. Not that he was playing um, at all well, but uh, that certainly hurt because uh, the backup for Wisconsin isn't quite. Um, up to snuff, at least in my opinion, compared to even Graham Murch's play at that time. So
1: well, since then you've been on what uh six game winning street, seven?
0: Is it seven? It'd be six now, I believe, going into Fraska. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um three to start and, and seven three now. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it could be seven soon. So we'll see. you're you're sitting at you're sitting at what is it, five and three on top of the big 10 west yeah five and two in the big 10 and seven and three overall but you're on top of the big 10 west you own the tiebreaker over iowa because you beat them up 27 to seven uh i think i watched that game and uh, iowa's offense could not do anything
0: and they didn't do
1: anything yeah you could you didn't give them turnovers i think what didn't they have like 31 yards at half or something
0: yeah, that game was, that game was, I mean, Wisconsin's defense had some good games, but man, that game, they were just, it looked like they were playing a different sport than what Iowa was trying to do. It was, that one was a fun one. It's always good to beat and fun to beat Iowa. And uh, <laughs> that one was a nice, cheery one for sure. What What is it that I everybody hates Iowa? You know, I I don't necessarily, I used to live in, I actually went a school in Iowa. So I have a special place in my heart um, for the state of Iowa. It gets a a little bit of a bad rap, I think, but, uh, they're rivals. So you kind of just have to, by default, that's kind of the way you grew up, but then you go to school and there's a lot of Hawkeye fans uh, in your school. And all of a sudden you're, you have a, you, you grow a soft spot for them. I'm sure Nebraska fans don't like to hear that, but uh, I think we're kind of, um, com- common enemy of Nebraska and Wisconsin is that great state of Iowa. So,
1: well, uh, this upcoming game, I, I read your bit. I read your bet about keys to the uh, beating Nebraska. Uh, one of them was contacting Adrian Martinez.
0: Now, yeah, you, I mean, go ahead. He, he's had some good games against Wisconsin, I would say. I mean, the the I know it didn't play last year, but I mean, I remember the first year that would have been his freshman year. I think he was running all over the place, and uh, I kind of forgot about it. But he put up some huge numbers against. Um, Wisconsin defense, that was pretty good that year. So, um, he's, he's certainly going to be a different test. I know Nebraska fans probably don't love the way he's played, but he's played pretty well against the two, uh, two contests against the Badgers for sure.
1: So talk about your defense. I mean, Nebraska or Wisconsin's defense is kind of, they've been good at the beginning of the season. They've been good all season. They've been putting pretty tough situations early in the season, but, uh, who are the guys that Nebraska fans should watch? Given that Nebraska fans are actually going to watch this game Saturday,
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I think this defense kind of starts with the inside linebackers in um, Jack Sanborn, who's been with Wisconsin a couple years, and Leo Chenal. Um, he's a year younger, but he's he's really elevated his game to be, I, I think, the best. Overall player on the Wisconsin defense, he's just been uh, an absolute monster. He was out that uh, he was one of the players that was out that first game against Penn State, and it turned out that that was a pretty big um, loss because he's just been everywhere, just a uh, bowling ball. attack. yep, Chenal, yep. Um, so him, him, and Sanborn and the inside linebackers, I think those are the, they're two of the best inside linebackers in the country, and it kind of all starts with them. But the outside linebackers have played really well. Um, as well, uh, the defensive line's been really good. That was one of the areas you thought maybe would be a concern, and they've been great. The secondary's been great. It's it, it really comes down to I think it doesn't really matter at this point. The the guys that are out there, I think Jim Leonard's defense and system just um, works so well. I don't I, I I hope and pray that Wisconsin can hang on to him for as long as possible because I think he's the he's the cog that really keeps the motion. Um, going for this entire team right now. I mean, the offense has played better, but this defense has just been um, unbelievable.
1: How How is the secondary?
0: Secondary is good. They're they're, they're guys that play a lot of football. I mean, you got two, you know, one super senior cornerback and, and another one um, that's played a lot of football. The safeties have both played a lot of football. They got a transfer in Colin Wilder from uh, Houston, who's been with Wisconsin a couple of years, and then Scott Nelson, who's been, um, with the Badgers for a couple years. So it's been a, uh, it's been a really, really good unit front to back. I mean, there really isn't like a weakness or a hole. And I think that's what makes this group so good is that they've got just front to back, uh, talented and, and playing well, um, all season long.
1: Okay. At the beginning of the year, uh, I, I kind of started the YouTube thing really heavily this year, just because I don't know, I guess I decided I wanted to start my own cult with the hair and everything. <laughs> and uh, plus, I was just angry about the Illinois game to start the season. And, uh, you know, just uh, the anger hasn't subsided. But when the season started, I I made the co- I have made comments throughout this season that the Big Ten West is not good and there were no good teams in it. And, you know, Wisconsin is turning out to be a good team. Uh, we're going to get to that in a minute. First, tell us about the offense. The off where I was going was the offensive line earlier in the season uh, was kind of a mess, and they weren't they weren't gelling, they weren't working together very well. Uh, what has happened that has changed that?
0: Yeah, yeah. Ha- so has it changed? Yeah, it has. It was weird early in the season for this group. They the offensive line coach uh, Joe Rudolph he, he, last year was the offensive coordinator, kind of went back to focusing on just offensive line this year to start the season, they were kind of almost doing almost like a hockey shift where like three, four guys would sub in three, four guys would shut, you know, sub out. And it just, it it wasn't working. And they did that for really um, the first three, four games, trying to figure out the right combo of guys to um, get this offensive line working. And it really was just a absolute mess. Um, The guys just didn't have any cohesion and, Finally, they stopped doing that and um, they settled on five guys, and they're starting. They started to click. Um, they got better each week over the course of the winning streak, and it's really helped. But the other big portion of that is, um, of course, the new running back and Braylon Allen that kind of came on the scene and um, certainly helped. But it's been a combination. I think everybody's kind of elevated their game, which has been which has been huge. But that just settling on five guys and not rotating them in every other. You know, drive. Surprisingly, that didn't work. <laughs> we all kind of scratched our head when they kept trying it. They're like, you know, maybe we just stick with five guys for a whole quarter. But it was literally like every every other possession, the guys were coming in and out. It was a very strange tactic. But I'm glad that uh, that's over and done with for sure.
1: Do we do we know what happened with Jalen Berger?
0: Not really. They've been pretty quiet about that one. It was a weird situation. He really didn't play. Um, you know, coming into the season, you expected him to be the guy and didn't play really at all. He didn't play that first Penn state game, got in the Eastern Michigan game. And then all of a sudden just the situation, um, you know, just never got back on the field. So it was, a, it was really a weird one. There were rumors and speculations that he was sometimes, um, you know, not being at practice. I don't want to say it's just what we've heard as kind of a prima Donna and, and maybe hadn't really earned that right quite yet. Um, but that was all speculation, and that's really all that they've ever got. So it's, uh, it, it was an odd situation, but thankfully it kind of worked out that, that it gave Braylon Allen a shot, and he's been unbelievable.
1: Okay, there's, a, there's another crusty old guy that does our podcast with me who is actually uh, one of my best friends from college all the way back in the 80s at the <laughs> University of Nebraska-Lincoln. But we had a discussion about Wisconsin – Uh, on this week's episode, which actually doesn't come out till Friday. But in our discussion, we talked about the fact I brought up that Wisconsin has, you know, they looked crappy and they became a good team. And Nebraska has been the same team the entire freaking season. I mean, you know, we lost by one score all the time. And we've lost in score and the most by one score in the most maddening. Just, you know, tear your heart out ways. Uh, but one of the things we discussed was how did Wisconsin figure out where they were going to go and where they were going to do. And Todd, my co-host or my co-buddy on the podcast said, it's because they have a system and they know who they are and they have an identity. And I said, and my point was, I think that they have better coaches and they're coaches of the thing. So we both we know that it's a combination of both, right? You have to have a coaches, and you have to, have, you should have an identity. But if you were, I forced him to pick one and argue the point. Which one of those two things, coach versus identity, do you think mattered more to to straighten out where Wisconsin was from beginning of the season to now?
0: I'd, I'd probably lean more towards identity, and that you know that this team knows they're not going to magically go out and all of a sudden start throwing the ball or, or running a spread offense and, and running an air raid and throwing it every down. This team is built to play defense and, and run the football and hopefully not make mistakes in, in the passing game. And, and you know, for better or for worse, they weren't going to be able to change that. So maybe that trickles into the coaching conversation where it got better and they got some things figured out. But I, if I had to pick one, I'd say it's that this – I mean, since Barry Alvarez – came in and, and got and kicked the veer that they were running before him out of Wisconsin and um, and made that change. They've really had the same kind of identity for for decades now and thankfully it's worked. I mean I think the the there was criticism early in the season and I think rightfully so. I think the coaching was a little bit poor early in the season but I, you have to give kudos to them that they they figured it out and tinkered with it and, and made the adjustments and and they've been playing uh, a lot better um, over the last, you know, six weeks.
1: Barry Alvarez is gone basically, right?
0: Yep. This, uh, he just had his, they had his honoree retirement party, um, uh, Michigan. Well, I won't say he's ever fully gone. I think Barry right. be around the program, um, like the, the godfather hanging around for, uh, for years, but, uh, but yeah, he's officially and at least in his title, uh, retired.
1: Okay. It's, is his so his influence is still there. So Wisconsin will still be Wisconsin. Paul Christ isn't suddenly gonna go, well, I'd like to try some option or some spread.
0: <laughs> I don't think so. I think uh Paul Christ likes when it, it likes when everything's working the way he wants to, and I think they'll keep doing that. Um as long as it's working. I think Wisconsin's done a little bit better job of changing some things up, you know, being a little bit modern and and you know, going shotgun sometimes, stuff like that, but they're always gonna be recruit the big in-state guys on the offensive line and and run the damn ball, so.
1: All right, I'm going to bring up a question from chat. Big Red asks, how does the Wisconsin dude view the current and future trajectory of the Nebraska football game program? This is why we do this live, so people can ask questions. (laughs) And I like doing it with outsiders because, you know, it's kind of like having a reality show where somebody looks at my family and goes, no, you got to quit drinking. (laughs)
0: <laughs> How do I view the current and future trajectory of Nebraska football program? I think that's a good question. Um, I guess from an outsider perspective at Wisconsin, we've talked about you know making adjustments and things like that. I think that's what Wisconsin really did good in the year. I, I always come back to in terms of trajectory. I know the conversation that we had yesterday on our podcast was about Scott Frost and you know the the keeping, the firing, and and all that. I always come back to do the is there somebody better out there that I think you can land? I, I think, I think it, you know, him being the homeboy and, and former Nebraska player that always kind of carries a little bit more weight. Um, it seems I was at least kind of surprised when I was writing up some posts at the record. I thought you guys had actually a little bit better record because it seems like you've been in every game, it just hasn't worked out, yeah. But maybe it's maybe it's better, um, but I guess the trajectory, it it seems like they've, you know, offensively struggled where maybe if that gets figured out the way the defense is all of a sudden turned around. I think for me as a Wisconsin fan, I always looked at Nebraska said, Oh, they're soft defensively just run the ball. But all of a sudden it seems like Wisconsin or Nebraska has got a defense a little bit. So maybe you get the offense figured out and all of a sudden you're, you're back to clicking and, and being competitive and, and, you know, going to bowl games and not, you know, these three and seven seasons. So, um, that's maybe a little bit of a dancing around the answer because maybe I don't know exactly, but I think they're working their way towards being what they want to be, but might still be a, a little bit of a rebuild. But it seems like you know another year of Scott Frost, and uh, well, I think maybe the jury's still out. So it's.
1: But well, here we're putting you on the spot again with Richard Weber asking, would Wisconsin keep a coach with Frost's record?
0: Ooh. That is a good question. Um, It's kind of a weird – it's kind of a similar situation. I think you look at, like, Paul Christ, if he had those type of years. You know, he's a former Badger, former player. So maybe you give him the benefit of the doubt for that one more year. I mean, I think in college football you get get one pay cut and fire some assistants, and then you get, you know, your second lease on life. And if that doesn't work in the next year, two years – then you're probably cutting ties. So I think if it was this roles reversed and this was Wisconsin, they'd probably say, you know, we'll, we'll give you another year, two years. um, And, and then we'll see where it's at. But, you know, with, with uh, the, the start of the season, everyone was saying, Wisconsin fans, you know, they were one in three and, there were people clamoring for Paul Chris to be gone, and, and Jim Leonard needs to take over because you can't lose him. Which, at that time, you know, I I could understand the the frustrations. But Paul Chris has had a pretty good track record where um, they'd given the benefit of the doubt. So I think, yeah, they'd probably retain Paul Chris if they were in that situation. But uh, yeah, it's certainly a a heated debate between the two sides for sure.
1: Okay, Wisconsin you know i'm the old crusty dude i wisconsin was terrible for many many years until al barry alvarez came along and uh, now they're that program that that continues to win the west and honestly it looks like you're going to win the west again this year because nobody else i mean this was a perfect year for somebody else to be good enough to take it and not mm-hmm. even iowa going to do that because their offense is so terrible but uh is there a lot of tension in Wisconsin that you just can't get over that hump to, you know, the next level of greatness where you're winning the big 10 or is it just like, okay, this is good enough. And uh, yeah, I think,
0: I I think there's certainly tension there that, you know, you want Lucas oil stadium is kind of a house of horrors where you go. I've went to the Wisconsin's been to the, the last three that they've been to. I went to in person and, it's like you know what i i know what i'm getting into i know this is going to be a heartbreaking loss at the end of the night and it's going to be frustrating but i'd i'd rather be there than not be there but all but you'd also like to maybe you know beat ohio state one of these times that penn state big 10 championship game they were winning by 20 some points at halftime and end up losing you know it's just it, so yeah the, i think the frustration is certainly there um, to want to win some of those bigger games. I mean, they're, during that losing streak for Wisconsin, they hadn't beat a, uh, a ranked team in the last seven tries. So I think that was part of the frustration, too, that was mounting is that we're good enough to beat maybe the you know – they're really good at bludgeoning the teams they're supposed to bludgeon and then losing to the teams that they're supposed to lose to, and that's kind of what we've seen once again this year. So maybe they can uh, get over the hump in this Big Ten championship game if they make it, but um, – We'll see. I'll, I'll probably be at Lucas Oil if they get there. Ready to have my heart broken again by Ryan Day and Ohio State.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, if you're going to catch Ohio State, it, it needs to be this year mm. because their defense is young. And next year they're going to be—they're already a really incredible football team. Mm. You know, at least offensively, they're missing that Joey Boza, Nick Boza, Chase Young guy. But their de- or their team is young, and next year, God help us all, they're going to be. No, they're gonna be Alabama and probably more insufferable than them, them some the bitches already are. <laughs> okay, Wisconsin special teams. You're not very good. No. We're worse, but you're not very good either.
0: No, it has been it's been pretty rough there. It's gotten better. I think everything's really gotten better over this winning streak. It's it's um it's not necessarily that they're making big plays, you know, they're not getting big returns, but they're also just not making the glaring mistake, you know, the muffed punts. The missed field goals last year um the field goal kicker for wisconsin and, and really over the, his entire career up until this year had been a struggle he's actually been a lot better um, and very consistent this year so that's kind of a, a nice um, wrinkle but overall it's just it's it's kind of been poor special teams at wisconsin for a while now um they've always just kind of struggled in that area maybe it just doesn't get as much focus they do have a special teams coach but you know, I, if you think back to if you remember the Rose Bowl last time Wisconsin played, they had a dropped punt, led to a touchdown. Same thing in that Big Ten championship. So it's been a couple of years now where um, special teams, similar to Nebraska this year, has cost them has cost them games. And thankfully, it's not making any mistakes right now. But it's uh, always touch and go. You always hold your breath when uh, when somebody's back there punting to Wisconsin, and, and you're hoping for that muff punt. That uh, hoping that muff punt doesn't come. So.
1: Oh, let's take this one. Smooth, some number. <laughs> also, what are the keys for us to win, especially on defense with Jojo Doman? Jojo Doman is out. Jojo Doman is uh, uh, a hybrid linebacker, you know, do-everything guy who I think probably was Nebraska's best defender. He, he injured his hand in the Purdue game and had surgery in his Nebraska career. is over, but... Uh, what are the keys for us to win? And by us, he means beloved Nebraska, just so you don't get confused there, Tyler. <laughs> for sure. Um, I think. I, I, I yeah, go go ahead. Ahead. you know what? Would you, if you look at this game, what do you think Nebraska needs to do to win this game?
0: I think, first and foremost, you'd have to really, that's, I mean, anytime you're playing Wisconsin, you've got to stop the run. I mean, you've got to, you know, hold. Um, this new running back, Braylon Allen. He's only 17 years old. He's ran for 100 yards. I think each each week over the course of this winning streak, he's been unbelievable. You got to stop that, but you also probably have to hope for Graham Mertz to you know maybe have some of those turnover issues that he had early in the season, get a couple short fields. I mean, this team. When they're making mistakes like that, Wisconsin is is much more beatable, and we've seen when they turn the ball over consistently, you know, a couple times. Murch has had a couple of interceptions over the course of this winning streak, but they haven't been as egregious as some of the other ones. So, I think it comes down to taking care of the football and and, and stopping the run, at least uh, from a Wisconsin fan's perspective.
1: I See, I I want us to be – nobody knows what's going to happen with us, and I think one of the big keys to this game is how what how is the offense going to react? I mean, the defense didn't get their position coaches fired. So how is the offense going to react to going into the next two games without the position coaches uh, that have been around them now for, you know, well, four years of Scott Frost if you're a four-year player? You know, Adrian Martinez talked about how much he – cared for Mario Verduzco, our quarterback's coach, and he's gone. Uh, I, you could have a, Wisconsin or a Nebraska offense that just walks on the field and doesn't give a damn about anything. I would hope that doesn't happen just because, you know, I Nebraska has been amazingly frustrating, but, you know, it's kind, of, it's kind of like watching a psycho in your family. It's interesting. <laughs> you know what I mean? All the games are The most interesting games you could see from a team this year, they're just not wins. So uh, I'd like to see a good game against Wisconsin. I think how we're going to do it is uh, I think on offense we need to be really aggressive. I, You know, Scott Frost does – I think Scott Frost has a good offensive mind. He just has this problem where he has this big stack of plays he wants to run and instead of looking back and going, okay, well, they didn't stop that, so we're going to keep running, he goes, no, we need to run this to us so I can see it run, you know, that kind of stuff. Because you think offensive coordinators do that sometimes. But I'd, I'd like to see Nebraska be really aggressive in the passing game, uh, really aggressive in whatever misdirection plays we have in the book. Uh, because I think, you know, Wisconsin's defense is pretty good. You, you With a guy like Chanel, you – you you take him out of the game. You double-team him. You read him. You option him. Uh, you know, maybe we can get you guys in, a, in an aggressive mode and then go around you. That's what I'm hoping to see on offense. But, uh, I, yeah, you, we have to stop the run. And I think you've seen from, like, the Minnesota game where Minnesota just, you know, it was small cuts at a time. They were perfectly happy to run their damn zone plays 83 times in that game, I think. You know, they were perfectly happy to get four yards of carry because that's Minnesota. They got ahead early. And if you don't get ahead of them early, they're just going to run the ball and pound. You know what I mean? And uh, I think that's what you guys will probably have to do, or that's what you'll want to do too, is get an early lead and just keep pounding the ball. Um, I don't know. What else have we got for Wisconsin? Anything else we haven't talked about for this game coming up?
0: Let's see. We've talked the defense. We've talked offense. Um, I guess we haven't we haven't talked a ton about the, the young running back, which he's kind of the next one in line. Um, like I mentioned, 17 really came out. Of the, he's actually a kid that they recruited. And you know, this spring, they didn't know if he was going to play offense, defense. He played both ways in high school. They just said, you know, let's throw him at running back and try it. Cause that's we played in high school, and now all of a sudden he's, you know, winning Big Ten player of the week on offense. So his his story's been pretty cool. And, and he looks like the next, the next, you know, Jonathan Taylor, Melvin Gordon, the next guy in that line, which is always fun to see, especially so early in his career. So we'll we'll see how that uh pans out. But uh otherwise, you know, it's it's the same old Wisconsin, really. I mean, run the ball, play defense. And, and, and stick to your style of game and, and see what happens. And I can't, ex- I can't imagine you'll see anything really different from that, from the Badgers uh, this weekend.
1: We'll talk about one more thing and then I'll let you go. And for that's sure. the fans. The for fans. Sure. When we first started playing, I've been running coordination for like 15 years. Uh, 16, I think, next this year. But uh, when we first started playing at Madison, I, I heard from so many Nebraska fans that went to a game in Madison and said they'd never go back because the fans were terrible <laughs> and they were obnoxious and horrible. And I went to Madison for two games, which we both got our asses kicked. You know the Melvin Gordon four hundred nine yards in in three quarters game. Uh, I was there for that.
0: Yeah, I was that. That that one was pretty. At least from Wisconsin fans' perspective, was that was probably. One, two, and like the favorite memories of an in-person game is that and that Ohio State uh, kick return for a touchdown and upset um, back in it's probably been over ten years now. So,
1: so you tell us about the Wisconsin fan base. I mean, you guys yeah. have the uh, you have you have the jump around, but you also have that one cheer that nobody talks about. The, what is it? the "eat shit, fuck you" cheer?
0: Yes, the the student section always gets a couple <laughs> of those in as long as they're showed up. I mean. Um, Usually they don't show up until end of the first quarter. Because every Wisconsin game this year has been at eleven o'clock. So the college kids have to get a few more drinks than them before. So usually they're there second quarter or so in that cheer. Um when it rumbles up is always fun to uh to hear. But um yeah, the the, the fans have been I could I kind of remember the first I remember the first year Nebraska played at Madison. I think there was kind of that uh that complex of Nebraska coming from the Big Twelve and thinking they can just come into the Big Ten and right. um, you know, be that premier program. So I think that maybe rubbed Badger fans the wrong way early, but thankfully Wisconsin's had success. So hopefully they've tamed down and and been nice. But I've always thought Nebraska fans that have came to Madison have always been um you know, very nice and respectful and enjoyed the game. I'd love to I'd love to see how uh the the tables would turn if if Madison comes to uh comes to lincoln i haven't been to a game there but i need to to get down there sometime and and see what that's all about so
1: we're, you know what we're known for treating opposing fans really well that's what i've
0: heard yeah
1: yeah and the thing about that is is we treat them better than we treat ourselves because you can (laughs) you can you know the whole keep scott frost fire scott frost thing is one more reason for nebraska fans to be at each other's throats but if you go to nebraska everyone will love you (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, there we it's go. It's kind of a weird thing. There. Next year I'll I'll see if I can make that uh track to Lincoln. I've only been to one other Big Ten stadium. That was Ann Arbor, and I didn't enjoy that. So we'll we'll see how uh, we'll see how that goes.
1: You need to get down to Lincoln. If you're gonna go to Lincoln sometime, let me know. Uh Absolutely. okay here. Husker Chuck has a question. Husker Chuck asks, do Wisconsin fans ever go into a season thinking national championship? It, or is it more along the line of winning the conference?
0: I think it's it's I think they're close to expecting national championship you want to be in maybe that playoff conversation going into the Big Ten championship but I don't think you can necessarily expect a national championship or playoff berth when you haven't won the conference in you know the last three times I think if they got over that hump all of a sudden you can get into that conversation but I think Wisconsin fans, Essentially, I think they want to get to the Big Ten championship with maybe one loss, and then you just have to get over that hump, and then you're in. I think every year if you're one loss Big Ten champion, you're in. So it's just more if you yeah. do one, you get the other. And so far they just haven't been able to do that, or they've gotten there you know, with a couple losses and, and shot themselves in the foot. So I think they're close, and I think expectations are getting there that they want to get over that hump. But until they knock off the the almighty giant in the east in Ohio State, it's, yeah. it's hard to really expect that. You want it, but I don't think anybody should really realistically expect it until that happens, until the Giant is slayed, and we'll see. You just kind of hold your breath and wait until December 4th and see if they can do it. This would be the year that they would do it, though. I mean, no expectations to do it. You know, it faltered early, and then Ohio State of a down year. So uh, we'll see. We'll see for sure
1: uh mustrick asks what does a nebraska win do for wisconsin's chances for the west well you guys have to beat minnesota if you if you lose to us uh you'll you'll need to beat minnesota because right now you and iowa are tied for the big 10 west lead and you have the tiebreaker over them on head to head and below that who is it it's minnesota and purdue right so what happens
0: I think if Wisconsin were to lose this weekend and Iowa were to win, I think Iowa would actually clinch it because they have the head-to-head over Minnesota as well. Um, but if Wisconsin, I think Wisconsin wins this weekend, they would need both Minnesota and Iowa to lose to clinch it. But if the, if Nebraska were to win and Iowa were to win, it would be a uh, it would be a trip to uh, where Iowa City and uh, the, the Hawkeyes, which I, I, I don't need to watch Ohio State take on uh, Iowa. I think that would be a, a ugly <laughs> brutal, brutal game to watch. Just a It would be a felony against the nation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Now, exactly. Nebraska is going to – Nebraska plays Iowa last, and we are going to beat them because because we need something. Yeah. You know, God so. needs to just – you know, some kind of karma thing. Okay, we'll do one more question with Tyler, and then it, we'll let him go. I got to did that work. Smooth comes back with do Wisconsin fans hate Minnesota or Iowa more?
0: Oh, that's I think Minnesota, um, that <laughs> that rivalry just really is is strong. It runs deep. It's it's close, but um, I mean, Wisconsin's had a really good amount of success against both of them, but the year that they lost to Minnesota just was a dagger in your heart with with listen to PJ Fleck. And just row the boat and then seeing them anytime you see the opponent with the axe in their hand it's always a a tough stabbing and uh puts a sour taste in your mouth because it's usually the last game of the year too so you got to sit on it now wisconsin's won i think 16 15 of 16 against minnesota so it hasn't happened all that much lately but when it did it was a uh, a tough one to swallow for sure so i would say minnesota um a little bit more hatred than uh than iowa
1: <laughs> plus minnesota those fans if they get any out modicum of success whatsoever they become the most obnoxious people yep. on the planet <laughs> they yep. are
0: terrible they're just I suddenly guess, uh, become like we're super bowl champs or something exactly God, i think just... the, the vikings packers at rivalry added into wisconsin minnesota just makes the distaste for one each, one another um all that much more high versus Iowa doesn't necessarily have that NFL team to even add, you know, add flames to the fire. So.
1: I I live in Minnesota. I've been here since 1987.
0: And I think I, I think during this past off
1: season, I wrote about Wisconsin for your site and I described the different, what the difference between Minnesota and Wisconsin are, because I've done a lot of work in Wisconsin and uh, I have to say the Wisconsinites are the happiest people in the nation.
0: You got, and the reason, you got all sorts of beer and cheese.
1: The reason why you're the happiest people in the nation. I tell people this. This is honest to God why I tell what I tell people when people ask me what's the difference between Minnesota and Wisconsin. I say years ago, when Wisconsin started being settled, that uh, and they started forming towns and you know civilization arrived and and they started forming towns. Some guy in the town would go, hey, we need to start making rules for da-da-da-da-da. And somebody else would stand up and go, hey, buddy, you want rules? You need to go across the river because they like rules over there. And then they, you know, that person would get run out of town and they'd have to go across the river into Minnesota. And by and by over time, what happened was Wisconsinites are full of all these towns in the state that doesn't have a whole lot of rules. And Minnesota... We have rules for everything. Apparently, so many rules that nobody here can ever enjoy themselves or have fun. (laughs) And that's what I tell people about how the two states were founded and why Minnesota is full of people that are just angry and passive aggressive all the time. And Wisconsin's (sighs) full of happy people that all have a neighborhood local bar where you can go get a bite to eat and a beer at the same time. So Absolutely am i am i incorrect about any of that
0: no i think you're i think you're correct uh I, I grew up in a small town of wisconsin and you got the place where you can get your your beer for a couple bucks and you can get a good meal and uh, a fish fry on fridays and and life is happy-go-lucky in in those towns for sure
1: all right i think we're going to be done with you i'm going to stick around for a few minutes just to see if anybody has any weird questions about nebraska or basketball mm-hmm. or anything like that thank you for coming on tyler
0: uh, absolutely you know, good talking to you
1: we'll see what happens saturday we're not making <laughs> predictions because i i i already did that for your podcast and i did it on our podcast so we'll let you go thank you take care All of right. yourself man good to yeah. see you
0: good to uh, see you have a good one
1: wow i'm figuring how the how this stuff works okay somebody earlier asked about offensive coordinators let's see uh Michael Warnick asks, who do you think might be a good pick for offensive coordinator? You know, I really haven't. I haven't looked at this for myself. I've been reading other everybody else's articles about it. And um, I, I guess I really haven't looked at it before because, because right now it doesn't matter. We're still in season. And I, I'll be honest with you. When we're doing games and games are on, I get a lot of messages from people. Like I get texts. I used to get texts when I was on the field doing photography and I I would shut my phone off and I get DMS from people where I'm watching games. And it just, it infuriates me when people start talking about like the next season before this season is over, or they worry about the future before this, this right now has happened. You know, it's kind of like looking at, let's say like basketball. Okay. Uh, we're looking at our basketball team and they're trying to figure stuff out and they're trying to become a team and, and people are like, Oh, we're going to get killed in the big 10. Well, that hasn't happened yet. My God, let's live for now. I mean, I get forced into speculation because it's what we do when you're creating sports content quite a bit, but um who would you think would be a good pick for offensive coordinator? Somebody uh we have a Slack room that you, we use to communicate between the, uh, Coordination writers the coronation staff and i see one of them just posted scott frost is getting help on hiring the new offensive coordinator from matt davison i don't think it goes too far beyond davison what i don't know is how much trev alberts is involved from steve simple source life in the red podcast excuse me my dog is being all grouchy Go out I, I'm, you know, I'm not really, you know, Matt Davidson. either Matt Davison can be a coach or stay the fuck out of the football program. Honestly, I, I like Matt Davidson. I do think he does a really good job on the radio, but um, you know, either Scott Frost is going to run the program or what's, what's the point in keeping him around it, because it has to be somebody that works with Scott Frost, not Matt Davison. It's not Matt Davidson's ass is going to get fired next year for underperformance. Although, honestly, if Scott Frost gets fired, Matt Davidson needs to go with him. But I don't – here's the whole thing with the offensive coordinator. You you need to look at this this way. Scott Frost has to replace a major part of his staff, all right? And, and any time – You do that. you got to make a choice. If you want to be the CEO guy up here, you got to look down here and go, am I going to micromanage this guy? Am I going to say, okay, I've hired an offensive coordinator. He can hire his own position coaches, or am I going to hire them for him? Because you know that if you let him hire his guys, he's probably going to bring in guys that he's already worked with, or he knows, and he knows how to work with them. Whereas if you, as the CEO, pick the guys that are going to work underneath him, you have no idea if those guys are going to be able to work with the offensive coordinator or not. Are you going to spend half your season trying to get guys, uh, you know, come together and uh, you know, try to work on their differences and figure it out in one season, because that's what you have to keep your job. So right now I I really, I'm not going to probably look too much at what offensive coordinator uh, I'd like. I mean, I prefer somebody that kind of runs a a spread power offense. I think I've mentioned like Urban Meyer's Ohio State offense. Uh, S.E. Smith says boiler up. You know, I'll say this boiler guy. You know, earlier I said that Purdue was not a good football team, and Purdue has figured out how to become a decent football team. I'm not ready to say good yet. But they've become a decent football team. And the reason for that is, is I think Jeff Braun knows what he's doing. He also – their defense was terrible last year. Bob Diaco, God help him. I don't know why anybody hires him for a DC, but he did. And he's figured out his defense, how to fix his defense this year. And, you know, Jeff Braun's done a good job this season. So kudos to you, guy. Uh, uh, and then the same guy says, black and gold forever. What the hell is wrong with you, dude? Um so, offensive coordinator, I I really well, Scott Frost is getting help from Matt Davison. Yeah, I realize Scott Frost is probably a little overwhelmed doing all the coaching, but is he really? Any is that any different than what he was doing before? If his hands were all over the offense anyway, I don't I don't get the whole. I don't get the Matt Davison piece. I really don't. I, I find that very disturbing. Somebody earlier said, um, asked, okay, let's see if we can – no, it's the smooth guy. He's asking all the questions here. What is the magic number Scott has to reach next year to keep his job? I don't know if there's a magic number. I think it's a magic situation. I think he needs to be in contention to win the Big Ten West. I think that's it. You really – maybe not – if there's mitigating circumstances, uh, then maybe – uh, maybe it'd be okay if he doesn't win the Big Ten West, but in your fifth year, come on. Come on. You got to win the Big Ten West, dude. If you want to keep your job, you want to stick around. They're all your players, and you've, you've already done your reorganization thing. And uh, <clears throat> there you go. I don't know. yeah, uh, Patrick McCarthy comes in here talking smack. Uh Bradley Warnick, we are seeing team select head coaches already because of the early signing period. Will this impact when Frosty picks his OC and staff? I don't. Th- you can't really do anything until the season's over. I mean, you're probably going to be hiring some of these on staff at a different position, someplace else. So, um, I don't. I don't. I I would not expect to see anything. Plus, I this isn't something that I don't see them doing immediately or having run right done right away. And maybe I'm completely wrong about that, but I would hope that they take their time to figure out who they can work with. And most of all, who Scott Frost is going to really actually trust to take over the offense. If that's what he's going to do. Well, we'll do this for a few more minutes. Uh, Pretend Scott Frost got fired this year. Who comes to mind as a top replacement Lincoln Riley? No. I'm not a really. Um, there you go. I can put you on timeout, dude. Um, I, I'm not a. I don't. I'm not as enamored with Lincoln Riley as I, I think other people. It's kind of like Spencer Rattler. I was really never enamored with Spencer Rattler. Uh, a replacement. Damn, I really haven't thought about that either. You know, you know who might was always interested in me is uh, the I think it's Chris Kleiman from Kansas State, because those guys, uh, you know, those guys just constantly do more with less. And uh, maybe uh, the guy from uh, Coastal Carolina, I really hadn't prepared for this question. <laughs> I guess it's a moot point. Dan Mullen, because he's going to be gone soon. You know what else would be who'd be interested would be Tom Herman for an offensive coordinator. Or maybe head coach. Maybe he could come in as offensive coordinator next year and then become the head coach when Frost is let go and he'd keep the entire defensive staff. Because I think if you're looking at Texas right now, they're probably thinking, why the hell did we fire this guy? (laughs) Because, yeah, they suck. (laughs) It's terrible. Okay. Um, You know what? I I think that's going to be it because I learned from doing an hour Uh, I think the last show I did that really it's damn difficult to just talk a lot and do this by yourself. Uh, I thank everybody for showing up. Um, You know, we'll see what happens with live shows as as time goes on. If I can keep them consistent on a Monday night so people know when they're happening, maybe we'll keep doing them through basketball season and baseball because baseball, you know, I love baseball. Uh, I don't – well, We'll see what happens. Thanks, everybody, for showing up. Uh, Take care of yourselves. I hope we beat – you know, one more thing, because there's always one more thing. It's like Peter Falk and Colombo. If we beat Wisconsin somehow and we beat Iowa, we're going to a bowl game because we'd be at five and seven, and we will be a team that people will go, hey, how about a bowl game, Nebraska? We know your fans are hungry to travel. And all of you would get off your asses and go to whatever bowl game we go to. Even if it was the pinstripe bowl in New York, wouldn't you? I'd love to go to New York. I've never been to New York City. But we would all be going to a bowl game. So, you know, there's still there's still hope. God, why did I say that? Oh, well. Take care of yourselves. I hope you're all having a good week. Thanks for joining me. And thanks for the compliments. I appreciate it. Bye.